In Acts chapter 20, we have been looking, we've been slowing down, we've been looking at the life of Paul the Apostle. Looking at the life of Paul the Apostle. You know, if, if there was an example in, in the New Testament of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ, look no further than Paul. That's the guy you look at. To be a fo- what it means to be a Christian, how that plays out, what that looks like in, in living. You look to the Apostle Paul. How many of us have role models in our, in our lives? How many of you had role models in your life? Anybody remember your role models? You know, Paul said of himself, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is such a bold statement. He says, you want to know what Christ looks like? Look at me. Jesus, if you want to know what the Father looks like, Jesus said, look at me. If you want to know what a Christian looks like, Paul says, you want to know what what following Jesus looks like, look at me. That's an amazing statement to me. What a role model we have in Paul. You know, quite often uh, we look to role models in our our lives uh, for inspiration. When we see something we love and we want to be about, we we kind of look to someone and and see how they do it. We just want to model our lives uh, uh, about that. I remember when I was at various times in my life, having various people I idolized for various reasons. How about you? Any, you know? I mean, sheesh. If I'm thinking way back, way back in my mind of those I mimicked and I idolized, if I were to reach back into my early recesses of my mind, I think maybe the first one would be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Just saying, Luke Skywalker. I mean, to point to stuff and lift it, I mean, that's every lazy man's dream. I mean, come on now. <laughs> the force is awesome. Who doesn't want to have the force for crying out loud? You know, to, to get in a, a fighter jet and to get into that little thing and, and use the force to fire those proton torpedoes in that thing that was no bigger than the rats back home and all that stuff. I mean, to fire that thing down there and, and to destroy the Death Star and to duel with, with uh, you know, with uh, Darth Vader and you find out it's his dad. I mean, you're dealing with your dad. I mean, come on now. You know, uh, all the kids on the block, they used to hang out, and they used to, uh, you know, we used to, you know, make spaceships out of Legos, and, you know, we'd pretend like we had lightsabers. We had flashlights, unlike the cool kids that have real lightsabers these days. And, uh, you know, we just would do everything that they did, and we'd reenact things, and we'd sit in our minds, and, and we'd secretly, when no one was looking, we'd try to use the force. It never worked, by the way. <laughs> and I remember, uh, you know, when, when we were a little older, we being, I grew up on a block, and there was a lot of kids there. Uh, sports became more of a, an influence in, in our lives. Uh, and how many of you, you know, may have, may have had some sports idols in your lives? Well, well even though we were, it was a little bit past our time, this was like 1980 and 80. One or two, or we kind of we idolized Pete Rose. Why? Because he dove head first, and it, it, that's just like what you did. And so we would just every we'd all be in baseball practice, and we would just go sliding head first every single time. The coaches all know Pete Rose. Learn how to slide. We're like, yeah, but, and so everything we did just was was mimicking these people that we loved. And, and I remember getting a little older after sports. I got into music and, and obviously I'm a guitar player. And I was right around 11 years old. I picked up the guitar and 
I began to listen to guitar players like, you know, Hendrix and Slash and David Gilmore and all these guys, B.B. King and Clapton. And, and as I look back now, I can see how greatly they influenced uh, my, my musical abilities, my playing. And I spent hours listening to them, uh, watching them, playing things, because you had to rewind on the tapes, right? Or the records, we just kind of move it back a little bit if I was listening to an old live album or something like that. And you just play it over and over, and, and you try to get your guitar to sound exactly the way they did it. And it would take hours and hours and hours until it became memory, and you would just do it exactly. And so I can mimic a lot of these styles. I can play like B.B. King. I can play like David Gilmore. I am not, can't play as well as them. <laughs> Don't give me that. But you spend time mimicking those people that you admire, something you see within your, that you want to accomplish, and, and you're listening to the sounds, and, and, and it's influencing what you're doing. And, and as, I'm, as, I'm, as, as that is happening, uh, you know, it, it not only influenced me musically on how I played, it started, I started to look at their lives, and I started to be influenced on, on how they dressed, and if they smoked, I was going to smoke, and so I smoked. You know, and, and it just kind of, the, the things and the attitudes and the whole culture, it influenced me. It, it, they, I idolized these people. Anybody have that going on in their life? Where they're idolized? You know, it sounds, uh, you know, you know, kind of weird, but you spend hours doing these things. The only frustrating part, I guess, for me was not having the money to buy the equipment that they had. Y- you know, so you had to just deal with the tone but you tried to mimic them in every way of life. You know, um, all of us by nature have this desire to, to mimic those people that express what we want to express. You know that? You see it in them and you go, I want to be like that. And you start hanging around them and you start talking to them and, and you just kind of start maybe saying things the way they say it, phrasing things, getting the same thing within our lives. And it just, it, it influences. And I think that's by design. God created us to be influenced Thus, families. Thus, parents. And, and it's really interesting in this day and aid, age of, of, of media, as I, as I look at what's going on in our lives, that we are so easily influenced by things that are really not connected to reality. Um, you know, I'm influenced by all these other people. If that technology were not there, I would not be influenced by these people. I'd be influenced by my family and the people I was directly around. And I'm not, I'm not, so there's a double-edged sword, you know what I'm saying? There's great things that we can learn, and there's also things that are really unrealistic and things that are unhelpful in some ways. But sadly, as I, as I look back at, at how is it, I, was, I was influenced by these many, many people um, from Sco- you know, Skywalker to Clapton, um, they're really, it was really all worthless. It really was a big waste of time in many respects. And I'm not saying that I didn't become a, a, a good guitar player. You know, I, 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 there are some things that God took and he redeemed and all that stuff. But in general, the hours spent in mimicking people and what they look like and all that stuff, trying to find an identity and all this type of stuff, it, you know, it ended up with more baggage than blessing. How many of you experienced that in some ways? More baggage than blessing, perhaps. Hollywood let you down. Oh, no. You know, and that's one of the pitfalls. But in, in many ways, these influences, you know, they are replacing, you know, parents, but that's a separate thing. But since the Lord pursued me and brought me out of the world, and I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, you know, I, I, was, I was started to be influenced by godly people. By mainly, uh, what really influenced me was godly teaching. And so I would listen to pastors like Chuck Smith, and I would listen to his messages and, 
And the first time I heard him teach, I don't know if some of you don't know who he is, but I thought, like, who, why is John Wayne teaching the Bible? It just sounded, sounded like it, you know? I was tripping out. You know, and you got John Piper, you know, from the Reformed Inn, and John MacArthur, the Reformed Inn, great Bible teachers, and, and <coughs> you know, Skip Heitzig, and, and David Guzik, and all these great men of God that, you know, uh, that really influenced me in, in the teaching, Chuck Missler, many more. Um, these teachers of the Bible, I mean, through their gift, they, they helped me, they helped shape my mind and the way I thought about stuff, the way I viewed the Word of God. They, they indirectly gave me a hermeneutic, they gave me a way to view Scripture, uh, not to try to put something on it, but actually just let it say what it's saying. And so much of what we do and we teach and preach is putting stuff on the word, trying to make it what we want it to say instead of just letting it say and expounding it upon it and using the scripture to teach the scripture. You know, and that's, that's a different way of doing things. That's, that's what I believe is really influenced me. So I was, I was blessed to be able to be a part of that and I was changed by that. And the spirit, um, you know, has blessed me and now I can, I can go and I can, I can relay spiritual things to you because I was influenced by godly people that I listened to. Maybe I didn't know them. So that's one of the benefits of media as well. But there are also men in my life, uh, and women, but men in my life who, who walked alongside of me and showed me by example how to actually live out my faith. And this is what I think is really lacking in our culture, especially in the church, true discipleship. And, and I fall short in this area. But truly walking alongside us, you know, um, I remember uh, one of the greatest influences on my life is coming back to the Lord as a, you know, 20 year old guy um, was Pastor Richard Rare, you know, I mean, he was a big influence, he was the administrative pastor at Calvary Chapel, he was a big influence in my life when I first came to the Lord as well as my first few years in that young worship leading ministry, uh, you know, I sat under his teaching, I went to his classes, I remember him teaching the new believers, just teaching me the books of the Bible, teaching me uh, what, that there are actually different genres of the Bible, you know, that there's actually poetry, and then there's law, and all these types of things, you're like, what is that, and what's a Pentateuch, you know, it's like, what are you, what are you doing, you know, what's this Pentateuch you speak of, oh, that's the first five books of the Bible, Penta means five, and then there I go in my Greek world now, right, or you know, and so anyways, you just start going, and, and I was just greatly influenced by, by Pastor Richard, uh, you know, I, not only that, I watched his life, uh, I spent time with him, he spent time with me, you know, he asked me questions about my life, and, and where I was going, and, and about my giftings, and what my interests were, and all those types of things, and, uh, you know, he asked me, he re- reaffirmed the giftings that he saw the Lord had put in my lives. I didn't, I didn't have the ability to see those things. I didn't have the ability to know what those things were. How many of you kind of feel like that? You don't know what you're good at or what you're not good at and all that stuff. And you need someone with a little more wisdom, a little more insight, who's not inside the mess to come to you and go, this is, this is who you are. This is what you're good at. This is, this is what God is kind of, this is what he's, what I see in your life. And their reason for doing that is not an, a, a motive other than just to let God uh, bless you and, and to use you. It's not trying to manipulate you anywhere, or do anything, just to say, this is what I see in the Lord in you. What a blessing as a young guy to see that in my life and say, man, 
God's anointed you to lead worship. Now, I feel like that's anoint- the anointing has faded the more I, I, the longer I've gone. God shifted ministries, so to speak, but I mean, it was, it was pretty present and powerful in those er- early years. God had, had, had done a great work in me, but that wasn't because I was Lone Ranger or I had all these skills, because I had people around me investing in my life, leading, guiding me, encouraging me, discipling me, and, and Richard was, is one of those people you know, we painted walls together in the church. You know, we'd spent, t- if the wall needed painted, we, we, uh, we painted it. The pastors painted. We were taught to go clean toilets. We were cl- taught to do all that stuff. That nothing is above you. You just go do it. And so we, we started, you know, we, we painted walls together. He helped me restore my Mustang. You know? He sent me on mission trips to the Philippines, and I went with him on mission trips, like to Israel, and what I saw in, in Richard was a steadfast love for the Lord in everyday life. He lived what he believed. I saw it. It was tangible to me. It was constant. It was over time. It wasn't an in and out. It was, it was consistent in life. You know, he was always modeling. He was always teaching. He was always serving the Lord with Jesus with his gifts. He was that administrative pastor. He would take nothing you know, resources that were very scarce and God had given him the gift to take those resources and use it for the kingdom to make something happen out of it. I mean, it was pretty amazing what he did. And I was blessed by that pastor, the senior pastor and the assistant pastor, but it was Richard who spent time with me. It was Richard who encouraged me. It was Richard who, um, who, um, who, when I saw Christine, I said, hey, you know, I think this is something important in my life. And I went to him for advice. <laughs> It was, it was him who, who, who married us, you know, who officiated our wedding. You know, he loved God and he loved me. He was the Paul in my life for about five years when I was at Calvary Chapel. I'm sharing my life with you. I'm telling you a little bit of my story because that influenced who I am and how I am and what I do and why I'm here. There was a person behind, there were people behind that. There was a connection, there was a relationship. I wasn't autonomous. And this is what Paul is, this is what we're getting at here. This is what we're looking at when we look at Paul in Acts chapter 20. Paul, the minister. In Acts 1, it says concerning Jesus, it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus that he began to do and teach. And that's what it is to be a minister, is to do and to teach. You, 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 you teach it and you model it and you live it out. And, ha- and how many of you know, oh my gosh, that's horrible. You know, we often think that's preaching and teaching. That's, that's only some of it. But that's what it means to be a minister, one who teaches and does what they teach, and they do it by example. That's why uh, if you're a teacher in that role of teaching, you'll have the greater judgment, James says. And that's kind of freaky. But you might not say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. You're not a pastor, but you're in the ministry. You have been called to ministry. You know, we have words and we say words and they actually encapsulate something, but that's not the whole reality of what it is. And so we think of ministry, we think of church stuff, right? Or God stuff or something like that. Ministry. Just, just kind of let that go by the wayside. When you believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus washed away your sins, you became a new person, amen? 
with a new life and a new purpose and a new calling, a custom-made calling for you to live out every day until you go to be with Jesus or he comes and gets you. You have a calling, a life, a ministry. You have been brought in to the ministry. We are in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? You're a minister. Pretty wild. You don't have your pastor card and all that great stuff. Let's go Bible. You're a minister. I love that. Ephesians 2.10, we said it last week, says we are God's handiwork. We're created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were a new creation in Christ Jesus. God has works that he prepared in advance of all this stuff we know for you to do. And you've got from the time you came to the Lord to the time you breathe your last breath to accomplish what God has called you to do. And you will be held accountable, not just to throw the fear thing on there, but it's true, you'll be accountable for what God has given you to do. You're not called to do what I've been called to do. You're called what he's called you to do. Amen? That's sobering. And you've only got so much time to do it. You've been given spiritual truth. And that truth is to be lived out in your life for the glory of God. You have a ministry to fulfill. That is what life is all about. Life and ministry are not two separate things. They're one. I don't take off my pastor hat when I come home. I'm always a pastor. Always. I'm always a father. I'm always a husband. When I go and work secular jobs, I'm still a pastor. I'm still a minister. All those, they don't change. I always, you just, it's integrated. That's who you are. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, whoever you're, whatever realm you're in, that's who you are. Pretty wild. You have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but now Christ lives in you. You see, there is no your life than, what, than church life. There's no life life and then there's church life. There's just Jesus life. New life. His life. That's it. You're in the ministry. Your life is ministry in the truest sense. Living your life to the glory of God. Taking that talent. Not talking about, I'm talented, I can sing and dance. That talent we speak of in, in the parable, taking that talent in whatever it is that God has given you to invest and investing it in his kingdom, not putting it in the dirt and hiding it, but investing it in his kingdom. And we'll be accountable because he's going to come back. He goes, what did you do with that? Saving faith is demonstrated in what we do with that. It's the proof that we're saved. That's what James is all about. So as we look at the life of Paul, his ministry to the church in Ephesus is wrapping up. He's sensing this. Paul senses that he probably won't be back. The Spirit keeps telling him that tough times and prison are ahead. You're just not going to come back and see these people. And so he's laying out some very important things. He gathers this, the elders in the city, as we talked about last week. He, go, he gathers them around 40 miles south or somewhere, somewhere south of, of the city 
because he just wants to talk to the elders and he wants to lay out very important things to them. And after Paul spends some three years in daily contact with this church, he's reminding them of his ministry to them, which is his life. He doesn't separate the two. And that's what he's talking about here. This is, they were one and the same. And he points out four aspects, four aspects in these verses of his ministry, of his life. And these are the four directions in which, in which our ministry can flow, flow. These are the four directions in which God desires to use your life. He's gonna use your life in one of these four directions, not just one, but all of these. This is how ministry works. It goes in four directions, and they are ministry to God, ministry to the church, ministry to the world, and ministry to yourself. Those are the four directions that ministry happens. Ministry to God, ministry to church, Ministry to the world, ministry to yourself. These are four directions. Paul lays it out there. And we're speaking today, we spoke last week about ministry towards God. But today we're going to speak about ministry towards the church briefly. And we're going to briefly recap the first one. So verse, uh, ministry towards God. So verse 18 through 19, Paul says this is the first direction in which ministry flows. It's towards God. It says in verse 18, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. Not part-time, the whole time. When I was making tents, when I was teaching, when I was doing everything, the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came to the province of Asia, I And here's the first thing. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plot of my Jewish opponents. And as we went over last week, the first way in which ministry flows is towards God. It's towards God. And this is why Paul says in verse 19, I served the Lord. The first thing we do as Christians is we serve the Lord. If we get that out of of whack, we're going to have horrible, miserable Christian lives. We serve the Lord, number one. This means that Paul lived to serve the will of the Lord. He was a slave to the Lord's will. And the way that that was worked out, I don't want to re-preach my sermon, the way that that was worked out is that he was willing to do whatever God had called him to do with great humility. He knew who he was. How many of you know who you are, what you've done? Boy, if you don't, the gospel has not been preached to you. You haven't had the impact of the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin. That's what he does. He comes in and he convicts us of sin. He says, this life is death and you feel it. And I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit makes you aware of your sin, you go, oh my gosh, I'm done for. And at the same time, he offers grace and that forgiveness. He comes in and comforts and forgives when the heart says, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. And you, in, in the light of your righteousness and what could be, you were merciful and gracious to me. And the Holy Spirit also comforts us. So when we receive Christ, we're cleansed of our sin, amen? We repent from our sin. There has to be a turning. There is no forgiveness of sins without repentance. We turn. And guess what happens? We have new life. And I love that about the Lord. He gives us new life. And we begin to serve the Lord, his will. And the two ways it, w- it, it flows out of there is notice he says, I served with tears 
and with testing. And that's what it will be to serve the Lord is with tears and testing. But Paul served with great humility in light of who he was. Grace motivated him. Grace is a motivator for us, brothers and sisters. As I look out in ministry and and we want to gather people to come serve, you know the people that that are are amazingly just wholehearted servants of the Lord are people who have been impacted by the grace of God in their lives. You don't have to tell them when to be there or remind them all this stuff. They're just there. They're like, Jesus, thank you. Whatever you got for me today, I'm there. And I love that. And it rolls into their life. It rolls into their workplace. Did you know that? They're like, what? No job is below me. I deserve to be in the pits of hell. You want me to go clean those toilets? I'm doing it for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen? Dishes, hallelujah. Whatever it is, you know what I mean? And it just translates. You serve. You have that humility, great humility. But there's also tears and there's also testing. There's going to be people when you reach out and you start to serve the Lord, people that will reject you, that won't get you, that won't hear you, that, that will, there'll be conflict. And there'll also be outward conflict uh, from, from the lost. You don't like it when you're shining your light. Those things are going to happen. Paul experienced those things. But secondly, and this is the main focus of what I wanna, we want to focus on, it's directed towards the church. Our ministry, our lives are directed towards the church. Four directions in which ministry can go. To God, to church, the world, and to ourselves. We're focusing on the church today. Just a reminder to us all, the church is not the building. Although it does need some ministry. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so it's a great way to minister, but I just want to say we are the church. Amen? It's us. Jesus didn't die for the building. He died for this, for us, our, our spirits, who we are. And so our ministry is directed towards God and his people who are the church. And in verse 20, Paul says, you know that I have not hesitated to what? To preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. He's gathering these guys together. He says, I've served God. That's my first ministry. You guys have seen it day in, day out. Secondly, I served you. I, I did it. I didn't hesitate. I did it publicly. I did it privately. I poured myself out for you. With what God had given me, I gave it all. I was laid out for you guys. I laid it out. Now you might be saying, hey, I, I'm not a preacher. What's this have to do with me? I, I get that. Paul gets that, but Paul was a preacher. That's why he's saying what he did. I preached. I taught. I did these things for you. I laid my life out for you. But you too have that ministry given to you by the Holy Spirit to fulfill in your lifetime towards the body of Christ. Your ministry is towards these people in this room and those who are not in this room and the church collectively. God has called you to minister. He's called you to lay it out. Romans 12 talks about that. But you have been given a spiritual truth and this is to be modeled and taught and invested in the body of Christ. It might not be preaching or or teaching, but if you're born again, you've been called to the ministry to the church. In Romans 12, it says this about your ministry to the body of Christ. Listen up. This is your ministry to the body of Christ. For just as each one of us, Paul's speaking to the church here, has, has one body. We've all got one body. I don't have two bodies. I've got one body. But I have many members. And these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, though many, look in the room, many form one body. And 
each member belongs to all the others. You're not your own. You belong to the people in this room. What happens when the hand decides not to belong? That stinks. Eyeball decides not to work today. What happens on a Sunday morning? Let me just, this, besides me getting fired, but what happens on a Sunday morning if, if, if I just decide I'm not coming to church today? Ah, got some other things going on. No, but you're, but yeah, but you're getting, you're getting paid. You don't understand, pastor, you're getting paid. We're doing this whether I get paid or not. I'm a pastor. Obviously, I have a family to support, and there's, there's all those things. But do you see, we're connected. I, I have ownership here. I, I'm invested. I feel it. There's a weight. My responsibility here is, is felt. And the reason why I feel that is because I love Jesus and I feel his calling on my life. And because I love him, I'm bound and obligated is one way of looking at it, but I'm compelled to love you. And how do I love you? With what I've been given. With what I've been given. What has God given me to do? Preach, teach, pastor, disciple, go do that. You're not up here on Sunday morning because we're not all the same parts of the body, amen? Doesn't mean you can't. But there's different roles we have. But Paul says each member belongs to all the others. And he says we we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Your gift is a grace towards these other people in this room. Did you know that? You are in a a, a direct... um, manifestation of God's grace to other people. You are. You have something of God that he has put in you to accomplish through you to show God's grace to other people, to bless them, his goodwill, his love. That's why it's not all about just preaching and teaching, right? So what's your place in the body? What are your spiritual gifts? How are you to minister to this body? How do you lay down your life for this body? You know, think, I think this is part of the fun of being a new creation in Christ Jesus is finding out who you are. I love that. Finding out who I am. And then going and stepping out and watching God open doors and teach you and show you and and he brings other people around. All the other giftings start happening. But when we stay still and we don't move and we don't, seek and we don't find we don't ask we just die we do church God doesn't want you to do church he wants you to be the church you're part of the body whatever special part that is and if you don't know who you are and what your ministry is i would encourage you to do four things write them down if it's important to you first pray just ask the lord lord who am i who am i you know, what's my role? What are my gifts? How can I serve you? Open that door. Just start praying like that. Secondly, read the word. I would think 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 where it talks about the spiritual gifts is, is a pretty neat place. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, these other places just kind of, and, and not only that, uh, just go into, um, look at the lives of people in scripture. 
Look at Paul's life. Look at Jesus' life. Look at these people. And as they're saying something that jumps out to you or they're doing something, you go, oh man, I wish I could do that. That's probably the Holy Spirit working in your life going, dad, that kind of made you to do that. You know? The thought of preaching and teaching terrifies you. Like, just get me away from that. But I tell you what, when you see certain things like, you know, a woman breaking you know, that alabaster jar on, on Jesus' head and her washing her feet, and you're just going, man, I long to serve people. I long to give my heart. Things are valuable for me and pour them out for others. And that's just my, that's the way I roll. That's who I am. That's what God made me to do. You know, whatever it might be. But be in the word. Thirdly, be in fellowship. Arrange your schedule around, uh, around being around God's people. That's a novel concept. If you're part of a body, it'd be great to be attached to it. You'll find out what part you are and what you aren't and by what needs there are in there, around the people you're around. Amen? That's how God works. If, if, if God is, is calling you to minister to the body, be around the body. And, and you'll start to find out what the needs are. And sometimes they're just practical. A lot of the times they're just practical. Things need fixing. Things, something, ha- something happens. And you just go do it. You know, I love that. Lastly, and, and, and this is kind of the one, it's not necessarily in order here, but just step out. Say, here I am. It's not going to be perfect, but God's going to direct that moving spirit. See, he works with faith. You start moving and he starts directing your life and showing you what direction to go. But if you stay in your bunker and say, oh God, please, I want to serve you. Just bring it to my door. He'll do that, but sometimes he, most of the time he doesn't, right? <laughs> most of the time he just, as you go, you read that all the time. It just so happened that Ruth came upon a field belonging to Boaz, right? It just so happened. It just so happened in Scripture. It didn't just so happen. God is working in and through people. So, so just step out. It's not going to be perfect. God's going to f- show you who you are. You know, Paul was called to preach and teach. That's what he did. Now, for some of you, you, you may know your calling, but you're not operating in it. So that first part was for those of you who don't even know who you are. Do those four things. Pray, be in the word, be in fellowship, and just step out. But for those of you who know your calling, we got a whole other problem going on. A whole other thing that, that Paul would probably want to address, but you know your calling, but you're not operating in it. You used to, but now, hmm. It's just, yeah, okay, be blessed, brother. I find this to be true with followers of Jesus who have been walking with the Lord for a while. For some reason, there is a hesitation to serve or minister to your brothers and sisters. There's a hesitation. Love has grown cold or something's happened. And, and, and this is, these are the things that I, I, I experiences I've had in my life in ministry. So perhaps you got burned. Any been burned before? You were serving and someone didn't respond the way you wanted. So you got discouraged because they were not reciprocating or were ungrateful or didn't pat you on the back. Anybody ever felt like that? I have. I felt totally like, hey, you know what? I, could, I just totally gave up my time and no one said anything. Do you know that there's been like months at a time when I've preached and none of you have said anything to me? Do you know how much I need you to tell me how wonderful I am? 
God uses that in my life. You got to, I'm just seriously, because that, that's a dangerous thing. Because remember, what's our first ministry? We serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. Boy, if I'm in this for serving you and getting worship and praise and accolades from you, I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to get burned because guess what? You're going to have a bad day. You might have a bad week. You just might be bad. <laughs> you know, you might, might not, you might not like me. And what do I do with that? Oh, no. It's, it's real. And people will take and they will develop their whole ministry around people liking them. Scary stuff. Jesus did not do that. Did you know that? <laughs> but it's, it's a tendency. But perhaps you got burned. Your eyes were on, your man, uh, on, on, on man and you forgot about grace. You got discouraged. I've been there. Perhaps you, you let the love of the world choke out the fruit. The love of the world kind of crept in and started choking out the fruit. Too many other pursuits. Got too busy in life. Anyone been there? It's spring. My gosh. I got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of things to go, and things of the Lord just are kind of boring right now. But I tell you what, gardening and, and all this type of stuff just starts, oh, yeah. And that's good. I mean, we're to enjoy those things, right? And not say we can't do that stuff. I mean, I love it. But so, are we aware of the impact that has on our ministry to the body of Christ? Does that make sense? Are we aware of all these things? Is that, is that jiving with Jesus? Is the Spirit saying, that's cool? To, to not be around the body for periods of time. I'm not beating you up. I've been there. When I haven't been pastoring, I got discouraged. Or, and I just found, man, there's all this free time to do a bunch of stuff. And man, church, you know, this is kind of, or, or hanging around a home fellowship or whatever it might be. I got other things I got to do or I'm tired. And it just kind of, it creeps in and it chokes out the life. And I'm, I'm doing great for a while. But then what I realize is I'm thirsty and I'm dry and I'm unedified because I'm not receiving from the body and I'm not giving. My attitude gets horrible, and my pursuits get dark. Perhaps you're like that. I've been there. Christ takes a back seat. Loving the body takes a back seat. I've been there. Perhaps you were serving out of an obligation from a legal uh, works mindset, and it became a religious burden, and the yoke became too heavy. You were dotting all the, 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 you were doing all the right things. You were showing up to all the right things, and you did all the right things for a long time, and you were just working all those things, and you know, I've got the law down, and I'm just serving with this, this, this out of duty. And by the way, I love faithfulness. Don't get me wrong, okay? I love to be faithful. I love that, that aspect. But, uh, you know, you had the doctrine down. You knew the verses. You showed up to everything, but you left your first love. Anyone done that? Left your first love? Boy, that's a killer. I've done that. You do it. You know, much like the Ephesians in Revelation, 80 years later, Jesus is writing to that church and he says, you've got all these great works you're doing. You hold your doctrine straight. You've got all the verses down. You teach this way. You've got these things going on. And, but I have this against you. you. You left your first love. I'm not your passion all those things became your passion. What about me? The way from all those things flow. So we can get that legalistic mindset. I've been there too. Perhaps you're timid. 
You're just so darn timid. I've met people like that, and I love you because I felt the worst thing I could ever do when I was young is public speaking. Now you can't shut me up. (laughs) But seriously, the fear is real. It's it's like, oh my gosh, if I do that, the world's going to collapse on me. Timid. Paul had to talk to Timothy about this. Remember Timothy? Pastor Timothy, he's out there, he's a young guy, and Paul made it a point to encourage him to fan the flame of his gift. You gotta fan that up, you gotta stir that up, buddy, or it's gonna die. You're just gonna let that timidity push you down, and you're gonna recoil until there's no life and no fruit. You just don't let that rule in your life. You gotta fan that flame. Push, push forward. Do the things that the Lord's called you to do. Be encouraged. You know you get nervous, but, but God's got that. You've got to entrust that nervousness to him. Don't let that rule your life. So there's, this is a different group serving the body. How many of you relate with the second group and the first group? My goodness, me too sometimes. Or how about the old, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy to get into people's lives. I'm too busy. You know, that's the one thing about Every single one of us, no matter what background we came from, what our bank accounts look like, what our jobs are, our status in life, we've all been given 24 hours a day. And you're busy about the things that are important to you. Right? That's it. It's one thing that truly reflects what we're about, is our time. And we've only been given so much to redeem. And so it's, it's, it's convicting to me too. Don't worry, this is us, right? And so what, you know, I'm too busy just, just simply means uh, it's not a priority. And that's not something that can be manipulated or that's just something the Lord has to work out in your life. Because as we look at Paul, as we look at Jesus, as we look at the apostles and all these other people, they had families and all this type of stuff. I mean, you know, we look at Peter and all these other guys. They're busy, fishermen, they did all that stuff. They had lives to organize and arrange and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with going out and having fun and going hunting. I'm not talking about that stuff. But what did Jesus do? How did he live? How did he arrange his life? Do the same. Do the same. And you're going to find he's going to give you the time for the things you need to have time for. He's a multiplier of those things. Do you ever know that? Give and it shall be given. He talks to the church about this all the time and things that I have to remember. He said, what does he say? Don't worry about the things that the pagans worry about. Don't worry about your clothes and your food and, your, and all this type of stuff. He's like, God's got you. He's got you in that old thing. Don't strive for these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I've got that. I take care of birds, and there's a lot of birds on the planet, everybody. I got them. can handle you. You know? There are a thousand reasons why we do not minister to the body, but there's only one why we do, because we love the Lord, because we love him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my command, and this is my command, that you love one another. How do we love one another? With our time, with our talents, with our hearts. We pour it out to one another. And that's a spirit-led thing. It says, 
Paul did not hesitate in closing. Paul did not hesitate from giving them anything that would help them out. That word hesitate means to shrink back, means to recoil, means to withdraw. He did not hesitate. He did not hesitate. Their need was his opportunity to fulfill his ministry that the Lord Jesus had gave him. For Paul was preaching and teaching. Paul taught them publicly and from house to house. Specifically, the gift of the teaching of the word and the preaching is to be public here, outside these walls, public, and from house to house. That's what Paul did. He says, I, I just, I fulfilled my, wherever there was opportunity, I did it. I just did it. He did it as a tent maker. He taught in the school of Tyrannus. He taught in synagogues. He taught in church. He taught at Walmart. Whatever it needed to be, he just did it. Paul did not hesitate. He did not shrink back. Whatever ministry God has given you, he has called you to complete it. He's called you not to shrink back from it. He's called you to push into it. Don't shrink back. Love the Lord by loving the church with your gift. Whatever it is, do it wholeheartedly. So you're not a pastor or teacher. That is not the full ministry. Listen to what he says, Romans 12. Speak to this. He's speaking to this. He says, if your gift's prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. The emphasis is do it exceptionally. Whatever God's given you, do it wholeheartedly. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. Don't withdraw. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do you see what he's saying? Whatever God's given you to do, be all in. Make it a priority. Wholeheartedness. Don't hesitate. Don't withdraw. And he goes on in verse 9, he says, love must be sincere. See, all that service is connected to love. Love must be without wax. Remember we talked about that. And he goes on and says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Why would Paul have to say to the church, be devoted to one another in love? Because they struggled with being devoted to one another in love. And he says, honor one another above yourselves. Why would Paul have to teach that? Because by nature, we want to honor ourselves above other people. And that is the exact opposite of the cross. That is anti-Christ. We need to repent from that. And allow true repentance to work into our hearts where we say, I no longer live for me, but I live for you. And if I see a need in your life, I'm going to meet it with the spiritual gifts God has given me. And if I don't know what they are, I'm going to grab someone who has them and help you out. (laughs) Love. Ministry is directed towards God and ministry is directed towards his church. And I pray this week that you will be seeking the Lord about how that will play out practically and that you will enjoy that great step of faith as you just go, I just, just go find out. woo <laughs> Expect tears, expect resistance, expect imperfect people all around you. Guess what? You're gonna run into problems. Did you know that? 
People aren't going to say, boy," or you're doing it right all the time. They're not going to coddle you sometimes. And you just got to serve the Lord with great humility. Amen? Oh, it's for you, Jesus. I love you so much that I'm willing to serve this person. And guess what? They must love you a whole bunch because they serve me. And they love me. And you know what a wretch I am inside and out. Oh, but for your grace, God, but for your grace. Thank you that you've put me in the body of Christ. I'm nothing without the body of Christ. I'm nothing without these people you've put around me. I need them in my life. I need their gifts. I need their wisdom. I need their encouragement. I need to, to be around them. I long to pour into them and I long to receive from them. That's you guys. That's us. That's our relationship. This is what Jesus is saying in John 15. I and the Father are one. I'm going to prepare a place so you can be with me so we can have koinonia. We can be together. We can experience these things. What I have is yours. What you have is mine. I love you. That's what it means to serve, to minister to the body of Christ, part of it. So let's end there. Lord, pour out your spirit upon the church. Not in a way that we just say, oh yeah, I'm spirit-filled, but we would be demonstrated in word, in deed, in love. I pray that in this room you'd stir up our hearts where things have been dormant, where things have been uh, just subsided. There's just a resistance maybe in, in our lives to, to lay ourselves down. Perhaps you've been hurt or whatever it might be. God, come heal us. Bring your spirit in this room. Bring freedom within our hearts once again. Stir us to love. Help us to to bow once again before your throne and say, oh, all to Jesus. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, whatever comes, Lord, you just lead me in the way you want me to go. Be my vision. Give me an undivided heart that I might know you, that I might serve you, that I might worship you. All those things are the same. Lord, give us that heart for each other. The heart that you had, the heart that Paul had, the heart of Christ. And Lord, we just want to give you glory. So give, wherever there's a block, deal with it this week, Lord. And we ask all these things in the name and the power and the authority and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen.